FromTheHeart.org Radio, in collaboration with Mayo Clinic, you are listening to Mayo Clinic Talks with Dr. Bernard Gersh. This is Bernard Gersh from the Mayo Clinic, and with me is my colleague, Dr. Rob Samari, who is Vice Chair of the Division of Cardiology and also Chairman of the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute Cell Therapy Research Consortium. And Rob is really here in that capacity, and we're going to talk about stem cells or cardiac cell repair therapy. Welcome, Rob. Thank you very much, Bernard. It's a pleasure. I don't know if you would agree that perhaps we can look upon the last 10 years of stem cell therapy as the first phase. I think you were involved in an article with us where we said, is it the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? Yeah. And we think we're at the end of the beginning. It's an amazing 10 years. When you go back 10 years ago and see that at the time it was conceived that bone marrow may help heal a myocardial infarction, the clinical trials were underway. I mean, they were underway almost concurrently with the original animal studies. Isn't that interesting? It's also like the early days of bypass surgery. You know, just about the time it became clinically available, they started the first randomized trial. Right. Sort of an idea whose time had come. How would you summarize what we've learned over the last 10 years from a clinical perspective? Yeah, from a clinical perspective, the field has been led by some very bright minds internationally, for one, and have clearly delineated the feasibility of using autologous sources for treatment of patients with uh, both acute and chronic left ventricular dysfunction. Autologous defined as? As coming from the individual patient. Using the patient's using own Using the cells. patient's own cells. So the idea that one could harvest bone marrow, different elements within the bone marrow, mononuclear cells or mesenchymal stem cells, and then re-deliver those cells into a patient as a drug product and managed as a drug product in Europe and the United States has really been remarkable. And then the most remarkable thing has been this almost uniform effect. Yes. And you've discussed that, but most cells have had a finite but demonstrable effect. A uni- it's been I really the term, interesting. The term we used in our review was a universality of benefit. Right. I mean, virtually every study has gone in the right direction. Right. It's also fair to say that it's been safe. Absolutely. But the downside is we've not seen much of an improvement. The improvement in LV function really very modest. Right. And that's where the European plans who said, well, maybe we're measuring the wrong thing. Maybe we should be looking at outcomes and not small changes in global left ventricular function is where the money is. And I think that the number one result of the first 10 years is really the initiation of a phase three trial in Europe. But Rob, before we get to that phase three trial, and we'll come back to it, but we also have to recognize that, like everything, it's much more complex than we thought. And what do you see as the barriers to cell repair therapy? Because the fact remains is at the end of a week, although there are modest benefits in LV function, the cells have gone, and we're not seeing regeneration. And what do you see as the major hurdles to be overcome? including a large trial with outcomes, but right. from a mechanistic yeah, standpoint. Uh, trying to understand what are the features of autologous cells that allow short and long-term residence and maintenance of those cells in the infarct zone, and then those cells which have the best uh, reparative properties. I think we're far from understanding the answers to those two questions. And those studies, unlike the phase three study that I mentioned, will be small, they'll be focused, and they'll have 
endpoints that are consistent with identifying maintenance of the cells in the infarct zone and what are those healing properties that help endogenous sources heal or perhaps the induction of long-term residence progenitor cells within the infarct zone. And in conjunction with that, I think there are going to be studies that are not going to concentrate just so much on what cells to use, but to see whether one can modify the environment and make it less hostile. Right. In both directions, make the environment less hostile and then make the cells more applicable to the environment by modifying them to work in an environment which is not very hospitable to cells. Rob, just before we get into the actual trials that are ongoing, and particularly those that you're leading, just a comment about the fact taking sick patients and we're giving them their own cells, so are we taking sick cells from sick patients? Is there a way that they can be rejuvenated, so to speak? Right. So from a number of settings, we would tend to think that an ideal situation would be to treat a patient who's had a bad clinical outcome relatively early in their healthy lives. So if you will, a patient who's had myocardial dysfunction on the basis of very premature disease or perhaps even trauma, those patients, or the use of chemotherapy, maybe those patients are the patients whose autologous cells are still healthy enough to be reparative. But your point about sick cells and sick patients is very important. Is there a way of taking sick cells and And, and rejuvenating them? Well, I think there are, which we'll probably get to later on in terms of bringing back pluripotency to cells, which is a whole other concept. So you've spoken about the very large trial that is either ongoing or certainly being planned in Europe. I think it's 3,000-odd patients Mm -hmm. Death is the endpoint. But tell us about the series of trials that are ongoing and being planned by the NHLBI consortium, of which I'm glad to see right. we're now going to be part right. of. So the FOCUS trial, which is the third trial in a series of trials led by Emerson Perrin and Jim Willerson, used autologous bone marrow cells for chronic left ventricular dysfunction, and those results will be available at the ACC in March, and that's delivery through an endomyocardial delivery device. Then you've got the late-time trial that you've already published in JAMA. Late-time came out, and that was a study where we randomized patients two to three weeks following myocardial infarctions to either cells or placebo and showed that the cells did not have an effect two to three weeks following myocardial infarction in contrast to what had been shown in the RepairMI study and other studies Uh, given more acutely. And are you doing a similar trial but with cells administered within a few days. Right. In the time trial, which will be available likely at the AHA or ESC this fall, we randomized patients to either their autologous cells at three or seven days to try to identify an optimized window of delivery. Of course, those results will be put into the broader perspective of the other studies that showed modest benefits and in view of a large trial that's planned. So a lot of interest in adipose-derived cells. I guess this is one area where there's no shortage of supply of adipose tissue, so that's an attraction. But they look great in vitro, but preliminary results from clinical trials have not been very exciting. And my perspective on that is that cells with an angiogenic phenotype, that I would include the vascular fraction of adipose or the CD34 cells, or Which un- is the same as the endothelial progenitor. Right, in, in a sense. It's and then there's the unfractionated bone marrow mononuclear cells. I think all those cells have angiogenic phenotypes. 
So those cells would be good in patients who have a ischemic burden that's causing their LV dysfunction. So in the chronic ischemic patient who has hibernating myocardium or in the patient with non-revascularizable coronary disease and myocardial ischemia, I think those are good cell types. In contrast to the mesenchymal stem cells, which I think is more building blocks of perhaps cardiomyogenesis in the long run or stabilization, and that's where the adipose-derived MSCs, the C-Cure approach that has been presented in Europe, as well as a number of other approaches. So those cells are already there to regenerate myocardium and the... Or at least to direct the process. Direct the process. But the others with angiogenic properties would theoretically flourish in a zone of ischemia. Right, right. And And I think, if you will, not to get too off track from myocardial infarction, but the ACT-34 study, which was a study led by Doug Lasordo in patients with chronic myocardial ischemia, that's a very positive phase two study in an area that has been a graveyard for treatments, chronic non-revascularizable coronary disease, that's led to a phase three study that many of us are very excited about. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, that was a double-blind trial, and it certainly suggested significant improvement in symptoms and quality of life. Right, in a magnitude that was consistent with angioplasty and the ACME study. Were those CD34? Those were CD34, so they were, they were peripheral blood cells isolated, harvested, and then delivered into the myocardium. So the other area of great interest, and then I'm going to ask you to sort of look into the crystal ball and prophesize what's <laughs> going to happen. Rob, the other great area of interest are the two trials of cardiac-derived stem cells, which are very attractive because, after all, they're in the heart. They have a niche. And I think the largest has been the Caduceus trial just published in Lancet. What do you think of that? Well, both the Caduceus trial and the Scipio trial were landmarks in the sense of their feasibility, that we could harvest cells from an individual, either via the endomyocardial biopsy for caduceus or the right atrial appendage harvest at the time of cardiac surgery, and then either isolate in terms of Scipio for CKIT positive cells or growth of cardiospheres in the case of caduceus and then deliver them. So the holy grail of sort of taking the patient's own cardiac cells and re-delivering was to show the feasibility was really remarkable. And there's certainly a suggestion in caduceus based upon the MRI that scar may shrink and it's place taken by viable muscle. I realize right. it's controversial, yeah, yeah. but there's certainly a signal. Yeah. And there was an improvement, although Scipio wasn't complete at the time it was published, clearly showed a suggestion that there was an improvement in cardiac function there. Interestingly, the directions that they're going are a little different. So my sense is that based upon follow-up work on the caduceus approach, they'll go allogeneic, meaning that they'll get donor heart sources from other healthy individuals and then use those as a resource for delivery. And then the CKIT positive work is likely going to a larger phase trial, not from atrial biopsy, but from endomyocardial biopsy. So, Rob, I think it was one of our less-known politicians who said, I'll never make predictions about the future. And I think the British Prime Minister said, I'll never make predictions, I never have, and I never will. But what are your predictions? Yeah, I think well, where do you think we're going to go in the next five years? I think we're going to see things move along a little bit differentially. I do think that the approaches such as the CD34 approach for angiogenesis in myocardial ischemia will lead the way, and then they will be applied in patients who have LV dysfunction on the basis of ischemia. And I think you'll see benefit there with autologous cells that are relatively easy to identify and, and deliver. 
Cardiomyogenesis is another story, and I'm hopeful for the allogeneic approaches, but I think we have to be cautious early in the game. Do you think the money is in ischemia? I think the current money is in ischemia, and I think its application in the periphery will play out as well. So, you know, I think we're going to see more studies in peripheral disease, both in chronic limb ischemia, critical limb ischemia, and in claudication. And then the question is, are we going to get cardiomyogenesis from autologous cardiac-derived cells? And I guess, you know, the proof's in the pudding there. The hope for pluripotency is challenging right now, and it's challenging not on the issues that challenged it 10 years ago, which were ethical issues, but more on the issues of practical issues right now, whereby putting a pluripotent cell, if you will, an st- embryonic stem cell or an induced pluripotent cell. Pluripotency meaning it can go in different directions. Go in all directions, actually. Including in, tumors. Including tumors. The thought of delivering a large number of those cells and delivering them probably with immunosuppression is a recipe for generating tumors. And so I think the future there is still the future, and but I think we're going to see clinical benefits in the areas that I mentioned uh, earlier before we get there. I think that one message I'd leave for our audience is you don't have to be involved in the field and one doesn't have to know the, understand the lexicon in detail, but I would follow it. There's a huge amount of work going on around the world and I think we're going to hear a lot more about cell repair therapy in the next five or ten years. And I, I just wouldn't put it on the back burner. I'd follow it. No, I agree. And it does need to be kept into perspective, as you mentioned earlier, that safety has been outstanding. And so as a field, we have not had our first major issue like gene therapy ran into early. And as long as we can keep the safety profile clean, this will be a long playing field. If we should run into a safety issue, then everything has to be reevaluated. But safety with hope is where we are right now. Well, thank you, Roman. We look forward to this next group of trials, which uh, hopefully will be part of. Great. Thanks so much, Bernard. You've been listening to Mayo Clinic Talks with Dr. Bernard Gersh. Visit theheart.org to find out more. <laughs>